0: world of real and virtual auto sport meets mad sim racing media presents the into the apex podcast
1: and it's into the apex this is tyler i've got jerry isaacs in here with me and rob as always and we have a special guest here on this holiday week for those in the united states Uh, kevin bohm joins us here in the into the apex studio kevin competes in the tc america Series in the number nine CrowdStrike Racing AWS Turnkey Type RTC, uh, and in the GT World Challenge Virtual Esports Series, so a little bit of sim racing and a little bit of uh, real racing. Most uh, particular, uh, he's also a senior engineer and test driver at Honda Research and Development, which we'll hopefully talk a little bit about. But I, when I think of research and development for a major car manufacturer, I think uh, under wraps, kind of lots of secrets and things like that. Maybe that's a that's a, a bit dramatic uh but maybe we'll talk a bit about that uh and uh but yeah welcome kevin thanks for joining us this evening on into the apex
0: yeah thanks for having me i'm uh looking forward to to seeing what you guys uh, have to talk about today
1: and uh first thing i'll start with is obviously the real racing Uh, we've watched you at at many races this week this year in the sro uh, ntc america driving that honda Uh, including a really good result at indianapolis in which jerry and i were there cheering you on along the way and a a bit of a rainy and cool weekend at indy uh there in october uh but where did take us back to kind of roughly the beginning of this where it started because obviously your background is engineering and i'm curious of if uh, the enjoyment of motorsports came first and then you chose that chose that path because of it or where those kind of coincide
0: yeah i mean uh, the 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 kind of the beginning really goes back to kind of that time in in my uh high school where you have to really decide what you want to do with your life and uh i got really lucky and and just went to a kind of a track day and it wasn't an actual race uh, i I'd, I'd watched races on tv a lot uh, as a kid but like it was so foreign to what i i'd, I'd uh, it didn't seem attainable or anything like that so i never at that time really thought um, that i could race but um i i went to a track day and i there was a lot of porsches there and i saw kind of some of the big rigs that you see on tv at like uh some of the bigger races and i was like what's going on here and uh i i realized that some of those teams had engineers that they were uh kind of kind of managing multiple cars and things like that even for just track days and um i was like oh that looks like a really fun job uh and uh it it turned out kind of the engineering really kind of clicked in my mind uh, from kind of how I approach problems and things. And um, I I sort of just kind of went down a path towards engineering and and eventually, as I was learning to become an engineer, started to do some of those track days that I saw at that event and kind of coincidentally learned how to become an engineer and to think like an engineer at the same time that I got to experience some of those kind of uh, lessons that I was learning in an actual car on track and learned how to drive at the same time. And those two things ended up really uh, kind of helping me learn as both an engineer and a driver uh, as I kind of began. And then that that's just carried on all the way to today.
1: And that's got to be, so I know a lot, obviously all teams uh, in a serious series have an engineer or a strategist Uh, Is that something, it's got to be interesting or a different perspective as driving and doing that at the same time. I assume you kind of have that in the back of your mind as well, like the strategy, the engineering side of it. Uh, I am notoriously bad at mathematics, so my understanding of that is limited, uh, but I do have an appreciation for it.
0: Yeah, I I think uh, you don't necessarily have to be great at math to be an engineer, believe it or not, and uh, it helps, don't get me wrong, there's times where you you have to use it and you have to rely on it, but uh, really, I, I would classify engineering as more as a, a, a way to approach problems and kind of being able to uh, organize uh, your thoughts in a way to kind of uh, reach a solution or, or kind of create an experiment to, to maybe find a, a new, better uh, mousetrap, which is the kind of first lesson you learn when you're studying to become an engineer is to design a new mousetrap, which seems uh, so trivial. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's when I'm in the car, it's, uh, uh, I, I kind of, I've realized just recently actually that I approach problems kind of two different ways. Uh, I have an engineering kind of approach and I have a driver approach and the engineering approach is very methodical and slow and really, uh, trying to be very precise. And then the, the driving approach, uh, because you don't normally have that, uh, luxury of time has to be very aggressive and, uh, thinks really quickly and, uh, really have um, kind of in the car sometimes you have to uh, pick and choose which one of those mindsets you use in that moment because uh, if you're in practice and the the car is not necessarily doing what I want as a driver, then I have to uh, kind of rely on that engineering side just a little bit to uh, figure out what could potentially we could do better what what adjustment I could make to make the car feel better to me as a driver um, and then I have to, be honest with myself when we make those changes as a driver did that work or not and then that just keep iterating all the time
1: and i speaking of mousetraps i saw on i believe it was your instagram uh here this past week that was your first uh Something about a, a race car built out of a mousetrap, I think it was, or something. Uh, it, or something. it wasn't
0: necessarily a race car, but it was the, the first car that, uh, that I designed. And part, part of it was a joke. It wasn't really supposed to be a car, <laughs> but it, uh, it was uh, the first uh, uh, kind of vehicle that I had a part in designing <laughs> was uh, uh, really using. They, they gave us a box of junk uh, and they said, you have to uh, move this Petri dish of fluid. Um, that's a certain dimension. You have to move it 60 feet and it has to land within a a one foot circle. Uh, and you have to do it with all this junk. Uh, and basically I, we, and it was a, a, a team of three. So me and two other people, we designed a, uh, a little tiny vehicle out of, uh, kind of wood and glue and, and plastic and, most importantly, a mousetrap and, uh, some rubber bands to, to kind of create the (laughs) propulsion. And, uh, it actually had some gears on it to, to, we had to calculate exactly how, how far it would travel in one stroke of the, the mousetrap and, uh, the diameter of the wheels were really important to make sure it traveled the, the exact distance. And then you had to account for how much, uh, the the vehicle would coast after the the mousetrap finished going, so it was a a pretty fun experiment. And uh, yeah, we, it kind of popped up in my memories and was like, oh wow, I've, I've learned a lot since then. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's, that's awesome. certainly that certainly makes engineering sound fun. I I don't know, it sounds like there's still a lot of math though, but it does sound like a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's times like that where where you get to really think outside the box or. Uh, really use use uh, kind of leftovers to your advantage, but uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, it's it's there's there's a lot of fun memories like that.
1: It, it is making engineering and STEM, uh, science, uh, technology, engineering, and math uh, sound exciting. We were talking STEM over the summer actually, and had somebody that had designed a formula wheel out of cardboard and some different technology, uh, very but very simple cardboard, some wood, and they made a formula wheel for sim racing. It's something we were talking about over the summer, and, and that sounded very cool to me—a wow. very affordable sim wheel. Because obviously, Fanatec—if you're not willing to shell out a thousand to thirteen hundred dollars, you're not getting a, a formula wheel for sim racing.
0: That's right. So that's, that's that's pretty. That's <laughs> impressive.
1: <laughs> yeah that that was that was something else. That's my kind of formula wheel. Um, and uh, so obviously, uh, you started out, and, and you've got many SCCA championships. Uh, I know, I think I saw you race, uh, raced in, is it NASA or NASA? Uh, was it up in, was it Great Lakes region or was it, uh, where did you start out with, with some of that racing?
0: Uh, I, I didn't do a lot of NASA racing. I, I did that for, for kind of one year. Um, and, uh, uh it, it was, uh, uh, those, those events are, are fine for depending on kind of what you're trying to get out of the, the racing and, Um, The the competition level and the the kind of uh, participation in the types of cars that I wanted to be driving uh, in and against uh, wasn't really there. So uh, I did did that for one year and and then moved to the Sports Car Club of America Um, and uh, they they have kind of a... uh, it's sort of the main season is, is regional based, uh, racing. And, uh, those regions can, you can race just inside your region, or you can, uh, kind of travel through, uh, a, a few different regions within your, your kind of area. And, um, then at the end of the year, they have, a, a a national championship where, uh, kind of the, the top finishing guys from, from all the regions are invited to, uh, a final season kind of winner take all championship for each of the classes. And, uh, uh, I, I kind of set my goals on that. And, uh, I, I guess I, I tried for three years before I won, uh, a national championship and really all, all of that was, was kind of, uh, uh, getting all the ducks in the row and kind of learning some of those lessons. And then, uh, once I won the first one, I, I won, uh, uh, kind of four more in the next, or sorry, three more in the next, uh, four years after that. So, uh, uh, one, four out of five years, um, which was, was pretty difficult. And, and, um, it, it, it sounds like I, it was pretty easy when you, when you, when I look back and, and you, you hear that, but it was just so, so much, uh, kind of preparation throughout the season. And, um, there was all the other guys I was competing against, um, they were trying to win too so i mean it, it was the car had to get faster every single year to to kind of be able to stay competitive and uh the the year that that i didn't win was a, a really rough one because i i had a chance uh, i started in that race second and uh the the car that uh was a little bit quicker and, and could have won had a mechanical failure uh not mm-hmm. long into the race and then uh um, the unfortunate thing happened to me where I also had a mechanical failure. So, uh, that one kind of changed the way that I approached, uh, the, the preparation of the car after that. And, uh, really that, that's what, uh, that, that kind of prep level and, and the way that I was approaching club racing at that time really translated well into the transition into pro racing.
2: Well, yeah, yeah four heard- out of four out of five, uh, four four <laughs> four years out of five as as the national champion is pretty impressive in its own yeah. right. But but how did you take it to that next level of a pro racer? How did you get involved in TC America racing?
0: Well, I mean it it, it really it's it started with that failure at, at Indy. So uh, at the SCCA runoffs at Indy, where I I, I didn't finish, it, it really um, it it just changed the way that I approached the car and. Um, it, it was, it, I started creating kind of checklists that I would go through the car and, uh, I didn't, I tried to leave very few things to chance from a, uh, kind of mechanical, uh, kind of durability standpoint and knowing, uh, how much time parts had been on the car and, uh, being able to, uh, not let things that I'd repaired go to chance. Like every time, uh, I did find an issue, maybe it, it wasn't all the way to failure, then, uh, I tried to learn from that and, and create a new process to kind of check it before it could uh, affect a race result. And, um, essentially that, that, uh, eventually got noticed a little bit. And, and, uh, first it was, it was really my, my wife. So uh, we were still dating at the time and she saw how hard I was working at it. And, and she was just like, wow, no, no one knows what you're doing." And uh, so she started helping with the social media just a little bit, which uh, helped the exposure and then um, it, it helped that I was being successful in that amount of time uh, as as we were building. and then um, it, it sort of just started with uh, some discussions with with HPD and, and letting them know that I was really interested in doing it and then, um, essentially they, they helped a little bit kind of, uh, get access to a car. And then, um, then it was all just, uh, learning how to raise money for, for a, a much bigger scale than, than club racing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it really was, uh, a, a bunch of things all coming together at once. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to remember it all because, uh, it was an incredible busy, busy year, um and uh yeah i mean the kind of going to a couple of the the sro events to see what it was about and and really trying to do a little bit of research before we committed to it i mean there was so so many little things that uh trying to learn quickly and uh uh yeah i mean it was i i still don't think i've got it got it down by <laughs> by any means but uh yeah i mean it's it really i'm not doing a lot different than than what i did in club racing it's it's just there's a lot more, um, on the, the business side of, of kind of raising money and making sure your partners are, are getting value out of the partnership and things like that. But uh, otherwise it's, it's still just club racing at a, at a really, really competitive level.
2: Sounds like, uh, it sounds like a, a whole lot of work, but, but also kind of a dream come true to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, um, Kevin, actually I'll, I'll be honest with you. Indy was my first, uh, Exposure to TC America Racing. I've that was my first uh, live endurance race, going to one, and and so um, I, I had not even really heard of TC America before. But when you guys finished at Indy, I mean. I think there was something like four the four in your class the top four cars were still within six seconds of each other at the end of your of your race and I mean to me that was exciting the cars were relatable what would you say to a motorsport fan that's maybe never heard of TC America that that you think would be of interest to them
0: um, so it sounds like you're talking a little bit about the the GT the the uh, eight hour race and and
2: what. But your race, I think, even you know your your race that was day before, I think it was. But you guys were as your group, I thought, was still pretty close together.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean the the TC America racing is is pretty incredible because
2: you ha- you have
0: cars that are familiar to almost everyone. Uh, we're, we're racing. I, I'm in a Honda Civic Type R. Uh, where we've got Mini Coopers out there. Where there's. Uh, bmws there's uh hyundai i mean there's a a lot of cars that you can really associate with and uh, kind of sro and tc america has done a really good job working with the manufacturers to kind of control the performance on those cars to where when we go out and race they're not exactly the same speed but they do it all a little bit uh unique ways and we end up at the same lap time which makes for uh some really great racing and uh, there's a lot of talented drivers in there as well. And, um, a lot of them are, are probably trying to do exactly what I'm doing, which is, uh, kind of prove themselves that they're worthy to, to race at the pro level. So that the, nobody really gives an inch out there and, uh, <laughs> it makes for some really great racing. And, uh, I think every race through, through the whole season, I mean, Indy was, was a great example where, uh, it, it a lot of times it, it comes down to the, the last lap. I mean, the, on, on the, the Friday race, I was, I led every lap except for the last one. And, uh, I mm, mean, it, that, right. that makes a, a great race for the fans. Uh, I, I would have liked it to go a little bit different, but, uh, it's still fun whenever it, <laughs> it comes down. And, and even when, uh, I mean, it, you look in the mirror and it seems like you're, you're okay. It's, you're never okay in, in TC America.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah and that, like like you said, the cars are very relatable in terms of you know the the yeah. brands and the the cars and the models. And I mean, when me as a non race non racer sees that, I think you know though, those don't look that hard to drive. I mean, would it be a fair statement to say they're they're not hard to drive, but they're hard to drive fast?
0: Well, I mean, it, it's really it's not hard to drive i mean I, I don't think any of the cars in in tc america are necessarily hard to drive and it's uh anyone could get into it and go around uh pick your favorite track really quickly but um kind of the when you have the competition that that's as as tough as uh tc america you really have to ring the car's neck and um there, the, if you leave anything on the table from a driving standpoint or even uh from a car setup standpoint then you're you're going to finish outside the top 5 or or maybe even not in the top 10 so you you really have to bring your A game from a, a driving standpoint and really uh kind of know how to push and and where to get some lap time and um because uh, I mean I'm racing a front-wheel drive car so you can't uh just lean and murder the tires for the entire race because they won't last for the whole 40 minutes so yeah. there's a lot of tire management that comes into it and um, finding the best balance from all that stuff is, is, is really what, uh, is tough and, um, being able to kind of drive the the speed and, and maintain it, uh, without destroying tires. I think that's where, uh, the, the kind of average person would, would find, find it a little bit challenging.
1: Yeah, that's, that's something Jerry and I began at Indy and I had been at VIR. So I was telling these guys after watching the VIR TC America race, uh, this is a series. this is what we want to, we want to see this, uh, cause it was such close competitive racing and, and, in the, and at the Indy race, uh, we had exactly that. Um, one thing that I want to kind of geek out with you about a bit, or at least the, the us guys in here want to geek out is you've done some driving at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. I understand. And that is something that, uh, we, we desperately want to hear about here.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that sort of transitions a little bit into the, the work that I, I do at uh, Honda Research and Development. And uh, I was uh, really privileged to be uh, one of the, the test drivers involved with the, the latest generation Acura NSX. And uh, my responsibility in that project was to uh, kind of test and, and develop the the stability control and traction control and ABS on that car, which... Uh, meant I spent a significant amount of time driving that car uh, really fast. And uh, once we had it to a, a pretty pretty good level, we, of course, needed to take it to the Nürburgring because we knew the car would go there. And, and we just wanted to make sure the, the car performed up to our standards uh, while we were there. And um, that, that's where, uh, thinking back, it, it's probably... I'll, I'll, I may never get paid to do anything more fun than, than what that was. <laughs> I mean, uh, for, for one, before we went the first time, uh, I, I got to go to Germany for a week. So a company paid business trip and, uh, they rented, uh, uh two different Porsches, uh, a two wheel drive and a four wheel drive Porsche. And, um, this was during the, what they call industry pool. So it's the, uh, kind of manufacturer, uh, like a, a pool of manufacturers. So, uh, kind of Porsches there, Mercedes. Uh, you, you've got every big German man- manufacturer that they all rent the track at the same time uh, as part of an organization, and so it's a closed event. And uh, normally, if you go as a tourist, you can you can lap the Nurburgring during their tourist hours, but you you can't do continuous laps. You you kind of uh, enter on the the really long backstretch, and you do one lap and you have to pull off on the backstretch. You can never really run the whole backstretch, but during these industry pool events, it's just a a test day. So we would, I would go out in these Porsches and uh, we learned pretty uh, quickly. You could do uh, no more than four laps on a tank of fuel um, at flat out. And if you tried the fifth lap, then uh, you basically would run out of gas on, on track. So uh, we would do four laps and, uh, come in and fill the tank, and um, yeah, it was a uh, uh, that that week was pretty insane because it was just learning how to drive the the, the Nurburgring in a in a Porsche, and um, later on we we went back, uh, of course, with NSX and uh, kind of took a, a bunch of the cars that we considered competitors at the time, and and really uh, got the experience what they felt like at the Nurburgring versus what the NSX did and. Uh, yeah it was a, a pretty insane ex- insane experience
1: yeah that, i i'm very envious of that as uh as a day of work or a weekend or week of work that it doesn't get much better than that
0: <laughs> yeah it, it really doesn't and and like i said I, I can't imagine doing anything more fun than than that it, it yeah. really didn't feel feel like work and uh, at, at, <laughs> at the end of the day the the uh the the test day isn't 24 hours a day, so you'd have to stop, and and I really didn't mm. want to. Uh, and then you yeah. sort of felt jealous because then the the <laughs> the tourist laps would happen, and you had to you guys had to watch those guys go out there and drive. And uh yeah, I mean it was, <laughs> yeah what a, what a what a blast. And, and yeah, yeah. I mean, th- those cars. And I, so
1: I've spent the I've spent the last few years in Ohio, and I know uh, Honda Acura has a big presence there. Uh, mid-ohio was my home track for a few years and i went out for uh, nasa great lakes races champ car uh emza any anything basically that happened at mid-ohio for the last three years i was there um and, and love that track but i know uh from looking just studying the honda acura presence i want to say it's in marysville i know you know uh it's somewhere outside of columbus i know uh, but i look at google maps uh, Skyview and i see a big track complex it looks big at least on google maps uh, i'm a bit of a google maps nerd i like to explore aerial views and uh, it looks like a big track complex at at the honda r&d uh, center up there outside of columbus is that basically where you get do you basically get to often drive hondas extremely fast on that circuit that's kind of a question i want to ask just for me
0: uh yeah i mean uh, that i i work uh in a, in a building just outside of that that giant track and uh, it 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 looks big because it it is giant so it um, <laughs> it's uh, the, what you s- mostly see on Google maps is a, a seven and a half mile oval oh, man. and uh has yes. got some very very steep banking and uh yeah. there's there's been a actual speed record set there um, oh, wow. with indie cars and and lots of stuff back uh in the 90s and um we, we it, it's it's really great for Lots of different things. So there's there's a lot of durability testing that goes on it, where cars are just driving 24 hours a day. Uh, but we we also do all the the kind of uh, top speed testing. I mean, the the NSX we had to find out first of all what the top speed was, but what is is it safe to do the top speed and for how long and yeah. things like that. So uh, we did a lot of really really high speed testing on on that track. And uh, believe it or not, even going around the the banking at at 190 miles an hour, it, it's really, because the turns are so big, it, you don't even have to turn the steering wheel very much. Uh, oh, so wow. it's a, it's a really, really, really big track. And then there's a, a lot of little tracks on the inside of it. There's, uh, uh, basically, uh, two and a half, uh, completely separate, uh, road courses inside that oval, uh, and lots of other, other courses for like gravel and, and all kinds of mm-hmm. simulated, uh, snow and ice courses and all kinds of crazy oh, wow. things on the inside. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I drive there probably, I don't know, two or three days a week or something like that. Oh, wow. Uh, not necessarily always flat out because we unfortunately don't just develop, uh, uh, supercars and sometimes we develop, uh, SUVs and, and stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, sometimes it's not as exciting as it was for the NSX, but uh, yeah, I mean there's uh, lots of fun things to do when you when you have a, a big open space like that
2: so I do you looking... uh you and your coworkers like you know on a lunch break or on a Saturday you know have have races and <laughs> and little fun events out there
0: uh, it turns out they frown upon that just a little bit <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> bit of a liability it would be a, it would be it'd be a hell of a company picnic, yes. Yeah, looking the- at that, like it's
1: it's like Monza Oval. When I first saw it, I was thinking something like the Monza Oval, and, and I don't know why it's it's somewhat irrational. I'm picture, I'm thinking like this is the area fifty one of of a racetrack in Ohio. Because uh, when I hear R and D, research and development, I think secrets, you know, tight things, you know, tightly held by different manufacturers. Obviously, not knowing a thing what I'm talking about, but uh, it just has kind of a a mystery to me, and it really intrigued me so it's i love hearing that that what's done there basically and i think it's really cool that you that you get to use that track as often as you do
0: yeah i mean it's a it's a really great crazy place and and really we're always what we're doing at the r&d facility is always uh working on something that's probably two or three years ahead of what's for sale right now and uh that track is really uh i think that the neatest thing about it is we don't have to worry about People getting uh, kind of spy photography and stuff like that because the banking is so high, you can't see inside <laughs> of it. The the track itself hides what's inside of it. So uh, there are lots of secrets in there and, and
1: <laughs>
0: uh, uh, basically some of it you'll get to see in a few years uh, <laughs> in general. There we
1: go. Let's keep the mystery alive. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I do hope that I, so we're we're big on iRacing here and uh, I really hope that iRacing scans that Honda TC car. Uh, because so far, all they have to offer in that uh, class is the Aldi, and I really love the Honda. So hopefully, iRacing, if you're listening, let's get to Honda and let's get, let's get those laser scanners out there and uh, scan some Hondas.
0: Yeah, uh, that's right. Speaking I'm...
1: of, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd speaking love to of have tracks, that car virtually. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, speaking of tracks, so, I mean, Nürburgring, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Uh, so I've watched you at at Indianapolis. That's got to be special uh, VIR, which, uh, is, feels like to me like the summer camp of a motorsports fan. It's just a beautiful place. Uh, what are some notable courses or tracks that you've raced at? Maybe some top, you know, top three favorite circuits that you've raced at this far.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, uh, kind of most sport in, in, uh, Canada. It, it really, the first time I was there, I wasn't really prepared for, uh, Kind of uh, how much commitment it takes to go fast there, and uh, it's a really neat place to to race because there's there's so many places you can pass, and all of it's at high speed, so uh, it, it really gets your adrenaline going. And uh, Road America is is another really really great example of a a racetrack that if it didn't exist today, it never would because they can't build that track anymore. It yeah. it really only exists because uh, they built it so long ago, and. That that track is is another example of just really high speed. uh, Takes a lot of precision and a a lot of guts to to really go fast there. And uh, I think it's it's on. If it's not on your bucket list to go drive it, it really should because it's 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 unbelievable. And it's it's similar to to VIR. If you got kind of a summer camp feeling at at VIR, uh, you'll get like a a national park feeling uh, at at Road America. It's just a, a really uh, kind of similar feel to it. So, uh, those, those are, are really great. Uh, I, I love VIR as well. I, I, uh, that was one of the first tracks that I ever got to, to kind of even do track days on. And, uh, it, it's always, uh, uh, stuck out to me and, uh, we actually do a lot of, of, uh, kind of, um, development work there in, in our, our Honda test cars there too. So, uh, really, really love VIR.
1: Yeah, that's, that's now my home track as I've relocated to North Carolina and, uh, it's, it's gotta be a, t- it's, it's definitely a top favorite. I've been to Indianapolis, I think the most after mid Ohio, uh, mid Ohio. I know you're local to mid Ohio now. Have you spent much time there?
0: So I, it's funny. I, 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 live probably 45 minutes from mid Ohio and I haven't been there since, uh, probably 2018 or 19. Uh, um, yeah, but I, I love that track. It, it's, it's, uh, mid Ohio is, is, is a, a great driver's track. Like it's, uh. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to go and just do laps on and, and, uh, to be like, to chase that feeling of being one with the car, it's like a perfect track for that. Uh, but it's an easy track to get really frustrated when you're racing because it's so <laughs> hard to pass there. Uh, if you're, yeah. if you're the car leading, then, then you kind of control your own fate. But, uh, when you're chasing someone else down, it's, it's almost impossible to pass them without, uh, kind of doing some, some naughty stuff. So, <laughs> uh it's uh it it's it's a great track and i i i want to drive it again soon it's just uh it's not on the sro schedule right now so yeah. it makes it really hard
1: yeah i wish the sro went there but i'm excited to see this uh the new ozarks international uh that's on the sro schedule i've looked at i've just looked at pictures of it obviously but it uh it looks interesting to me
0: yeah, it's uh, it, it's. I'm curious. I mean, there's not a lot of details out out there about it, and they have. Uh, it seems like a gazillion different uh, uh, combinations <laughs> of of courses. So uh, I'm not sure even which configuration SRO will be racing yet. But uh, as soon as we find out, I'm going to have to be doing a bunch <laughs> of research to, to figure out how to make a, a Honda go faster
2: on there.
1: Yeah, G- Jerry uh, is our local Ozarks reporter, so we'll ha- we'll send Jerry out there to see what the lay of the land is.
2: Get some videos, maybe some. There we go. Uh, yeah, scams yeah. very close range. to
1: Gateway and in Indy, so <laughs> we'll send them out there. Um, so switching gears a bit, um, I want to talk to you a bit about Operation Motorsport, and these are this is a group that, that you've known longer than us, but we've had the the pleasure of getting to know these uh, these guys over the summer. Uh, we first actually learned about them at the SRO race at VIR in early June. And uh, have gotten really close with them since, and and love the organization. Have tried to, to help out as we could in, on our part. But I know Operation Motorsports been a big part. I mean, of DXDT CrowdStrike Racing, uh, and of your efforts in TC America.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, uh, Operation Motorsports is a is a really unique organization where they're they're taking the um, kind of either uh, retiring or or medically discharged uh, military personnel and uh, they're, they're really trying to leverage the, the kind of skills that are learned in the military and insert that into a, a motorsports environment, uh, because there, there's a lot of similarities in, in kind of the, uh, the things you need to, to know, uh, and essentially, uh, over the last two years, I've, I've taken on, uh, uh, probably, uh, two, two different guys at, at most events and, um, really just tried to integrate them into the team and um, it, it's it's a two-way relationship where uh, I'm gaining a little bit of, of manpower because I need I need to be in multiple places and I need help doing things and um, I'm able to kind of teach them uh, the way that that we uh, need to prep the car or prep the tires or, or prep all the different things and uh, where I'm able to transfer some of that knowledge and we're able to bring them into the the kind of team atmosphere that they're Uh, accustomed to in the military. And then we have a a shared goal of, of trying to, to win. It's a, a a competition of course, and we want to beat everybody that we're racing against. And uh, I can't do that alone as a driver. I need uh, a a good team that, that can execute all the, uh, the, the different important tasks that we have to, to complete throughout the weekend. And uh, kind of the, the skills that Operation Motorsport brings uh, to the table is, is a, just an incredible asset to the team, and uh, I I feel really lucky to be able to transfer some of the uh, kind of lessons that I've learned uh, in in kind of pr- prepping a race car and and kind of all the things that we're doing, uh, whether it's in pit lane or in the paddock. Uh, I love being able to transfer that knowledge to them and and kind of share those those victories.
2: Yeah, I know yeah. they've been. Go ahead, I'd oh, say, yeah, I mean, that that's awesome. Teaching um, is probably a, 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 one of the great gifts you could give to these people. But, you know, I, on the other side of it, as a, as a driver and as you know an amateur for 10 years where you were probably wrenching on your own car and doing all the prep, is it hard to transfer from you doing everything from a trust perspective to then relying on others and trusting that they get your car set up the way you want it to be?
0: Uh, well, I'm, I'm still heavily involved uh, uh, today, so uh, still still doing a lot of the, the work myself. And it, it's really, um, I, I think this year in, in 2021, uh, I had uh, uh, three different guys shared across the whole season. We only had uh, kind of one or two of those uh, per event. Uh, and kind of at the beginning of the year, it was really f- focused on feeling out what skills they had, um, and, and trying to teach a little bit at a time. And, uh, the, the main goal was to not overwhelm them with either too much or too, too, uh, complicated. And then as the, the season kind of built as, as, uh, we got to Indy, for example, the last race of the season, um, I was very confident that they, they could do every task that, that we needed done, uh, on their own. I didn't have to remind them, uh, I didn't have to to do anything. And it's, it's really, uh, a, a two way, uh, kind of building trust together. Um, they they uh, trust me to to let them do it, and I trust them to do it right. Um, and it, it really just comes down to kind of building throughout the year to get to that point. Um, I think it's pretty un- unrealistic to to uh, expect that kind of uh, achievement to be uh, at the beginning of the year, but. If everything's going correctly, then when we get to the end, that's that's the way it should end up, I think. And and we were able to do that this year. And and I, really, we I learned uh, throughout 2020 that that's how it should be done. And uh, I think uh, this year it really showed that those lessons paid off.
1: And uh, as far as Operation Motorsports concerned, I saw just this week, and I want to give them a shout out. Uh, there's a an auction going out in uh, five or six days and uh, there are some kevin Bohm signed uh, crowdstrike racing hats and some different crowdstrike racing shirts and different gear uh, that i've got my eye on quite honestly uh, so kevin's in our studio uh, virtually wearing a crowdstrike hat and these crowdstrike hats are pretty sharp uh, ladies and gentlemen so uh, and i believe they're autographed uh, on this auction
0: yep that's that's right so uh, i think we'll we'll have uh, three different hats and uh, maybe two different shirts and then uh, I, I'm also throwing in a uh, uh, a uh, pair of the the gloves that that uh, yes, took took right. me to uh, uh, two national championships and my first pro oh. championship last year. So uh, those are in there as well. I
1: I have registered to make some bids and I've got a few of those items on my mind. The CrowdStrike hats are very cool, so I think I'm going to put in for that. Uh, I, the jackets, I'm I'm a sucker for a good soft shell jacket. So the uh, CrowdStrike AMG uh, customer racing jackets, I've got my eye on those. And there's, there are some even cooler things in this auction. So I do want to give a shout out uh, to that. Check out Operation Motorsport on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but very cool that you're involved with them. We've tried to support them on the, on the iRacing side and uh, have met them at the races uh, on our uh, road tour this year. Just an awesome group of people uh, with that organization.
0: Yeah, I agree and uh yeah, I mean they they do such great work and it's uh it's a small organization and they do a, a ton with it and uh yeah, I mean, well, I can't wait to see uh what all they have on, on the auction.
1: And uh so going to briefly to esports to sim racing, uh I think more you, so you participate in the SRO Esports League um and I believe that's is a set of ACC. I know it's not iRacing that they they host that on. Yeah, that, uh, but that's you've right. done a little bit of sim racing. Tell us just a little bit about your sim racing experience, even if it's uh, brief or just limited to that. Uh, uh, just sharing a bit about sim racing. I'm curious about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've had. I've been sim racing for a long time. And, and I, I started out doing some iRacing or actually way before that, uh, even doing uh kind of sports car. Uh, GT was the the sim at the time. This is way back in the early 2000s. And <laughs> uh, uh, then uh, there was uh, like Grand Prix Legends. That was another really good one that I spent a lot of time on. And uh, as as I uh, got to, to college, that's when iRacing was coming out and Uh, It had a lot of the tracks that that I wanted to, was kind of aspiring to drive at at that time. So I, I of course, got that and uh, really didn't spend a lot of time racing. I I spent a lot of time driving it, but not doing a lot of racing. And uh, really over the last uh, uh, kind of up to maybe two years ago, I really just used it to, as a refresher, if I was going to a, a, a track that I hadn't been to in a while, then I would uh, kind of open up, I racing and drive it for a little bit just to to kind of get some muscle memory and and kind of uh, remind myself of what to expect when I get there and and some of that kind of stuff. And then um, last year when uh, the the SRO series had to kind of put a pause due to, to COVID, then that's when SRO kicked off. Uh, at the time, it was was called uh, GT Rivals and uh, really it was trying to kind of pick up the slack of, of not having any racing for a few months. And, uh, I, I downloaded ACC and, uh, took a crash course in, in, uh, learning a new sim and, uh, was able to, to finish on the podium a couple of times. And, uh, uh, it was, was not very easy. And, uh, uh, we had a race every single week for five weeks or I think it was five or six weeks. And, uh, I, I think I had only driven one of the tracks before. Um, so mm. it wasn't just learning the new sim, but it was learning a new track. Uh, all the car, I was uh, fortunately racing a, uh, a car that matched what what our, our GT cars, the CrowdStrike GT cars look like. So yeah. uh, it, it was really cool from an immersion standpoint, but a uh, huge learning experience and uh, uh, learned that, a lot of the equipment that i have is uh not necessarily the the best anymore but uh it, it gets the job done uh and uh yeah i mean it's it, it's crazy
1: i i think you just raced this past weekend if i'm correct and uh you've raced the last at least couple uh in a is it a stem high school garage uh with a, a very interesting setup but you're you're in an actual auto garage as you race
0: yeah, that's right. And, uh, I, I uh, here in Ohio, I, I live in the, the middle of a, a giant cornfield and, uh, it turns out the, the corn doesn't, uh, uh, help my internet at all. Uh, so whenever we're, we're doing, we've in the, the kind of here in the last few months, we've done three kind of endurance races. So, uh, we did 12 hours of Bathurst and, uh, three hours of Monza and six hours of, of Laguna Seca. And especially when you're considering a 12-hour long race uh, at, at uh, Bathurst, um, you you can't be going up the hill there and have uh, uh, an internet stutter or anything like that because the, the crash is going to be on the highlight reel for quite a while. Yeah. So um, that, that sort of uh, uh, really made me go searching for a more reliable and a little bit quicker internet service. And uh, we've kind of been working with a, a local STEM school. Uh, we actually took last year's race car uh, to the school along with uh, the, the local Honda dealership, brought a matching Honda and we put them both side by side on the lift and did a, uh, can you spot all the differences between a, a racing Honda and a and a brand new honda and uh that that was there's a lot of little things that we've been trying to do with that organization and uh they were very kind and and let me kind of bring my whole sim rig uh to the the middle of their garage and i plug in and connect to their internet and uh run a race
1: (laughs) i can attest to that because uh being in ohio for the last few years i was introduced to the amish community and cornfields etc uh I, I loved it. It's a little bit cold in the winters, but uh, Ohio is an, a, a nice place if you give it a chance.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it, it it's it, it works perfect. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Internet's fine. It's just uh, if it if it just has that brief little drop for <laughs> right. it, it, it doesn't work when you're when you're in a GT3 car uh, going yeah. over the mountain at, at Bathurst. That's <laughs> the it, it oh. will not work out well.
1: I believe Rob and I are still having flashbacks to the Bathurst 12 and I racing. We did not do too well in that. That,
3: yeah, was, that was ugly. Yeah, that was ugly, but well, there's always next year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll be a little better prepared. It, it, I will say it was not our internet that was the problem. It was it was us.
3: It was just a bunch of hubris. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we thought we were ready. We were not ready. <laughs> um. So I, I want to, I've got a few rapid fire questions uh, that we had. Uh, one is the biggest adrenaline rush for you as a driver so far. Is there any particular situation or event uh, in in actual racing so far that's been a big rush for you uh, in the moment, if you can think of anything?
0: Yeah, probably. uh, uh... Anytime you, you can, you can literally apply this to any track, but, uh, the, the, whenever you get to a, a track where you think, I think this turn is maybe flat, I can, I can do this turn flat <laughs> and, uh, that, that adrenaline rush for you convince yourself, I'm going to do it this lap and then you do it and, and you don't die. Uh, you realize afterwards how much adrenaline it took to, to do that. And, uh, I, I've, I felt that at, uh, uh, road America is a great great example going through the kink, uh, kind of deciding you're going to do that flat and, uh, not in a spec Miata, uh, in, in something that's actually fast. It it gets, uh, it gets very, (laughs) very, uh, uh, extreme. And, uh, I I can think of uh, a couple of turns at the Nurburgring, uh, where, where you really have to decide, okay, is it, is it really worth doing that? And then, uh, anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's, that, those are the moments that I can think back to and, and remember that my heart rate was was not measurable.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I've only experienced Nürburgring and the sim, but I still haven't even come close to mastering it. Uh, I've watched videos on YouTube that's as close as a, a spectator. And uh, it gives me, I just, I, I worry for the people driving it. Uh, I had uh, Bradley and I, who's not here tonight, we had the, the ability to to get on the, the uh, Patriot course at VIR and ride along in the BMW and the Michelin ride-alongs. The first time we'd ever been over 100 miles per hour in a car, uh, specifically as a passenger. And uh, I think we were each, uh, after that experience, uh, covering up our fear. We didn't realize it. We've been sitting driving sim racing for years, since 2004, thinking, I think if I got in this car, I I could do something. We did not realize the physical experience, the attack on the senses. Uh, that it is to go around some of these courses.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's the, the single biggest, uh, difference between sim racing and, and real life racing, because whenever you're learning a track or you're really exploring the limits in the sim, if you make a mistake, you always have a reset button, but, uh, in, in real life, uh, uh, there's some some people that can afford to just hit a reset button in real <laughs> life, but I, I'm not one of them, so uh, <laughs> right. I, have, I have to, to be really uh, methodical in my approach to, to that limit and uh, finding a way to, uh, I, I don't want to say overcome the fear, but use, use the fear to kind of keep yourself in check, but, but still mm. really push the limits of, of both the car and yourself.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, second question we have here: um, the biggest challenge as a driver, uh, as a driver, or generally in motorsport so far?
0: Uh, I think the the biggest challenge is just finding finding ways to do it more. I mean, the I think anybody that you uh, that that's got the opportunity to drive on a, a racetrack, whether it's through track days or through uh, getting to do real races everybody wants is is looking for the way how can i do one more weekend how can i do another and um, it, it's really finding the ways to to do that and and learning that there's not just one way it, it's not uh, growing a money tree in your backyard but you can yeah. be really creative and and learn to uh, kind of barter and 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 really uh, kind of make trades and, and and be able to get your your track time in different ways and whether that is is getting used tires or or it just it doesn't matter what whatever you need to do to to do it and and kind of that resourcefulness is it uh, it'll eventually snowball and and I, I think I'm a perfect example of uh going from literally buying other people's used tires that they were throwing away to Uh, getting to professionally drive race cars. So it, it, uh, it, it can snowball uh, to something big, as long as you uh, kind of uh, stay motivated and, and never, never give up on being creative.
1: And then of, of uh, all the, you've driven many courses in the U S as well as the Nürburgring, Uh, of all the courses, courses you haven't driven. uh, Is there one course, maybe we'll give you two that, that stick out that you would like to drive, that you have not yet had the opportunity.
0: So I, it's, uh, there's two that come to mind immediately and, uh, I'll, I'll say it, uh, um, probably the, the, the one I want to do the most is, is Lamont's. Uh, I, 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 think, uh, just from the history standpoint, I think, yeah. uh, it's, it's the oldest race and, and there's so much history there and who's raced there and who's won and what kind of cars have been there. It's just a um, I'd love to be a part of that history one day and, um, yeah, it's not attainable right now, but, uh, maybe, maybe one day, but it's, it's a dream for sure. And, uh, a, another track just because it's, I have only driven it in the sim and it it's another one of those tracks that just seems really insane, even in a sim. So I can't imagine how cool it is in real life. And that's uh spa. So, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I've got a, I've got a race at spa one day.
1: Yeah, that, that's one. I love that. In my, I think in the sim, that's my favorite circuit. Uh, I, I can only imagine. We One thing I've learned, I've gone to uh, more road circuits this year than I ever have. Um, and, and I think even in, so we make fun of VR, virtual reality headsets. There's a, a bit of, at least from my point of view, maybe Jerry's, there's a bit of VR snobbery in, in sim racing. Folks that, that have the VR headsets say, if, if you haven't experienced it in VR, you've not experienced it. For those of us with monitors. Um, but even in, so I've tried VR at, at places like uh, VIR, uh, Watkins Glen, Road Atlanta. Uh, even in the VR headset, the, the elevation changes don't translate until you go there and see it. And I can only imagine driving it. Um, so I can only imagine spa in person in an actual car. Uh, what the elevation changes specifically in Eau Rouge and Radeon are like. I can only imagine. So I'm completely with you on that track.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and and I think it's a, another one of those examples where it's a, in theory, a lot of cars can go flat uh, through there. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that first time you decide to do it, that'll be the adrenaline rush. I,
1: I can only imagine it's, it's terrifying in the sim, much less I'm sure in real life um, to close out. Uh, I do want to say we I've enjoyed your article. Uh, you you've have a, a recent article at the end of the season uh, with Sportscar365 uh, and, and a regular column there. And uh, you, you recently wrote about the five things you've learned about professional sports car racing and professional racing. And uh, some very interesting points. You had five specific takeaways of this year. And uh, I won't have you go through each of them just for the sake of it would take a long time. And I think folks can... Should and can seek that out and read about it. Uh, but if you had to sum it up briefly, what are some of your takeaways as this season is done, as we look to next season and uh, as 2022 is around the corner, you're in the off season now. Uh, what are your takeaways from 2021 and and what's in store for Kevin Bowman 2022?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, as far as the, the, the top five things that I've, I've learned it, it, it's really an accumulated thing over the last two years. And, um, it's, it's a lot of it comes from being realistic. Like, uh, the, the race we're racing in TC America against, uh, I've already said it really, really talented drivers, really talented teams. A lot of, uh, you, you have a lot going against you. And, um, I've been very fortunate to, to win, uh, many races and, and finish on the podium a lot. And, um, it, it's but you have to keep in mind, it's not possible to do that all the time. And you're going to have bad races. And, um, I think kind of learning from those moments and, and being able to stay motivated and not getting down on yourself, that's something that, uh, took a little bit because, uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, winning very fortunately when I was still club racing. And, uh, even coming into the, the first year of pro racing last year, we, we won, had a big string of a lot of wins and a lot of podiums and, and won the championship in in the first year. And, um, kind of, I had a lot of, uh, success and, and learning how to be unsuccessful successfully is a, is a really important thing. And, uh, the, (laughs) the, the different kind of ways you do that through, uh, kind of teamwork and, and collaborating even outside of your team. And, uh, those kinds of things are all the, the little nuances that, uh, really made all that possible. And, uh, I, I think, uh, it, I definitely, if, if you haven't read that article, I I'd, I'd definitely recommend everybody going and yeah. reading it because it's, uh, uh, it's pretty brief. I, I didn't, I, I don't, it, it doesn't take long to read, but, uh, it's, it's a few yeah. things that, that are, uh, I personally, I think are sometimes forgotten about on, on just kind of keeping yourself, uh, kind of motivated and you can apply it whether you're pro racing or not.
1: Yeah. I, I, I love that article. And, uh, I think, uh, as far as sports car three sixty-five, I love their articles and, and news generally. Uh, so I recommend following that, uh, Kevin Boehm uh, on Twitter at K Boehm, K B O E H M racing. Uh, and also search him out on Twitter. Uh, we're excited because uh, we've had a heavy road schedule in 2021. We're going to be out at many, uh, SRO races in 2022, uh, so hopefully we catch up with you again, track side, and uh, we'll be jumping up and down as we were in Indianapolis, Jerry and I, uh, pulling for you uh, in the TC America and beyond uh, with CrowdStrike Racing and DXDT, which is based out of our home state of North Carolina in Statesville, North Carolina, which is very cool. Um, but we appreciate a, a good almost an hour tonight with you, Kevin. Thank you so much.
0: No, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
1: And that's Kevin Boehm. We'll be back on Into the Apex. Setups, whether you love them or hate them, they're one of the most important elements in sim racing. However, so many of us don't have the time to painstakingly tweak every value to create a good setup, never mind the hours of work required to find game-breaking exploits to make you even quicker. The Coach Dave Academy has created competitive iRacing setups developed by professional sim racers and engineers that are designed to enhance your performance in the most popular sim racing game in the world. Receive new setups for iRacing season car and track combinations every week, giving you the time and pace to be able to focus on racing on the track rather than being sat in pit lane. All the setups follow real driver feedback and come with MoTeC data and replay files, helping you improve not just your car setups, but also your driving technique. The best part? When you sign up, the first week is free, which means you can test the setups for yourself before committing to a monthly membership. Check them out at coachdaveacademy.com forward slash iRacing. That's coachdaveacademy.com forward slash iRacing. This episode is also brought to you by the racing fans at Great Hire HR Solutions, a longtime partner for Mad Sim Racing Endurance. On board the Mad Sim Racing Porsche GT3 that myself and Rob Gregoire here got a top five finish in the 10 hours of Suzuka in iRacing. Great Hire HR, whether you're hiring one or 100 employees, Great Hire will let you focus on what you need to do running your business. Check them out at greathirehr.com. That's greathirehr.com. And we're back on Into the Apex. Jerry Isaacs has slid out of the studio and Bradley has slid in a little bit late, but better late than never on a holiday week in the United States, at least. It was awfully aggressive. A little bit, yeah, but uh, I'm I'm just pointing that out. Uh, We appreciate Jerry joining us in the studio. Patrick Stein is off this week. And uh, what an excellent interview with Kevin Boehm, Rob. uh, Almost an hour of discussion about uh, one thing that, again, we geeked out on it. I, I think we kept it a little bit tame. Uh, but uh, some of the Nurburgring driving experiences, the opportunity to be a test driver, uh, or a, really any type of driver on the Nurburgring—I mean, that is a a bucket list track. That is a uh, what's the phrase or word I'm looking for? A mecca. A what's the mecca? i Mecca. I, I
3: think that does it. I think I think you got it. Yeah. it's a
1: destination, a pilgrimage. That's the word I'm yeah, trying to find. There you it, go. Is, it's it's a journey you make, like Lama. That that it's yeah. it's absolutely worth going that far, if, say, you're like us in the United States. Yeah. Well, the big three that you'd make a pilgrimage pilgrimage to is spa Lama and Nürburgring.
2: Yeah, in for, Europe. certainly in Europe. Anyway. Yeah,
1: without a doubt. And uh, and yeah, that was quite special. And uh, again, I think I was only uh, maybe entertaining myself, but I I am jealous a bit of the test track time uh, and the, the time spent in you know, test driving on the R&D tracks that Honda has, uh, because it really does. If you, I, I encourage you, if you're like Google Maps and your board perhaps, uh look at the aerial view of the Honda and Acura R and D area uh, because it's it does look like it reminds me of Monza, uh the Monza Oval. And uh for some reason I view it like I said, like it's the area fifty one of of auto. It's uh it, there's an eerie thing like the future, you know, uh UFOs are being developed there. Uh, flying cars are being developed. The future uh, the future aircraft. Yes, future, the, space the future. Craft. There are aliens kept at the Honda R&D facility, uh, pr- creating and preparing the next automobile for the world. Well, if it's the next automobile, that's all electric, right? Yeah, uh, that seems to be the case. Formula E, uh, Oliver Askew, I saw, speaking of a bit of news, uh, filling out the Andretti auto support. Andretti's a little bit of everywhere these days. Um, and, and originally, I don't know if we ever said it on the air or not, uh, but there were whisperings and there were a lot of whisperings online about Kyle Kirkwood uh, the Indy Lights champion with Andretti and Indy Lights of course uh going to Andretti's Formula E effort uh, just so they could retain him one way or the other obviously that didn't happen he went to Foyt. but uh, lo- basically all that wraps up into is uh electric racing will increase oh it will it's you the future think? who yeah, do we think Rob pipe in on that
3: it's well there's there's gonna be some of it but it's I don't know hopefully there's always going to be that little carve out for the internal combustion engine and
1: yeah I, I like what uh, Bob Varsha I heard Bob Varsha say um, several months ago after doing some post f1 commentary himself on the radio um, obviously he was pointing out that you know electric automobiles and you know for consumers, is picking up and seems to be the trend. Understandably, in a way, uh, but he said, and I agreed with him, and I think we all here agree with him that hopefully there's always room as far as in motorsport for the combustible engine, even if it's one of the only places it it exists. Well, that would be the last say, place right? before it dies entirely. The last place is you'd hop in your electric car with the family and go down <laughs> to the track to hear a sound that you know you know you haven't heard yeah, in decades. A different sound, a different yeah. smell. And eventually well, yeah. that'll be the only place, uh, generations
3: will hear it. Well, F1, they that's didn't. why F1's got a good sustainable path forward. Because like, do you guys like know what the actual like footprint is for F1 cars? Like I, the actual cars, the, the cars themselves over an entire season only account for 0.7% of the emissions that F1 itself is accountable for So the less cars than 1%. Are, They're the most fuel efficient cars in the world.
1: What they're hybrids and the, yeah, now we're, yeah, we're twin
3: going turbo the- hybrids with thing. the with the deployable battery, yeah. But uh, yeah, most of their their stuff is most of their emissions are all from logistics and, and travel, yeah.
1: yeah. that Trucks. is true.
3: So, the Glo- global the, the cars themselves, so like I said, the hopefully the more cars will, like I said just become more efficient. You know what I mean? So you can still have internal combustion engines with gearing, just like, kind of like the way you know they are now to some degree. But just and, like I said, everybody's okay with it being like, okay, well, that's clearly not a problem. We, we can yeah. have that.
1: And kind of meandering into sim racing territory once again, specifically iRacing territory. Uh, we So week 13 is approaching, and we know that Mercedes and iRacing have been working together on the F1 car. We know they're a little outdated on F1 cars. We also know, and we've talked about this a, a bit back, uh, they came out with the Deloria IR01 on iRacing, which is almost like an F1 competitor, but it was meant to be simple to drive, non-technical And that it was, I mean, compared to say the LMP1, which I've barely and I've always struggled with, uh, just some of the technical sides, specifically the power and, and that kind of thing, uh. Two, two things to throw out there for, for you, Rob, for your input, which I value more than Bradley's usually uh, on, these ma- on these matters. On uh, F1 matters, yeah. <laughs> um, do you think, number one, this is interesting, and this is kind of teasing what we're going to do with this show next week, which is a holiday-themed wish list type of episode. Uh, do you think, number one, that iRacing is going to give us the new Mercedes F1 car before Christmas, week 13, whatever, as the gift? As we got the Williams years and years ago, and the BMW M four prototype M3, yeah, whatever, last year, M four yeah. that was last um, year, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, number one, you think iRacing is going to give that to us uh, for Christmas this year? And uh, number two, do you think it's going to be so complicated to drive uh, because the actual cars are complicated? These are things I don't
3: really know. I don't know, man. To be honest, like it's. <sighs> the cars are only complicated to drive. Like if you were actually driving one, like you were having, because like there's different uh, uh, power unit manufacturers, everyone's got their own stuff going on side. So it's like, there's different mappings and stuff. Like how you actually interact through the wheel as a driver is different. Right. So like, they're going to have all they're really going to have is they're going to have their DRS and they're going to have the ERS and the ERS is just turning it on and off just a button to hit overtake kind of like the LMP one
1: like the p1 so yeah w- would you call it closer to the p1 which is yeah it would be way really closer to the p1 car.
3: it's oh yeah it's it's extremely noticeable it's like if it in- gives it an additional 500 brake horsepower
1: okay because in the sim that's absolutely noticeable and it's a blast but i don't use it wisely but Therefore, imagine I'm it with an be- even
3: better power to weight ratio uh
1: and then push to pass in the indy car it's it's almost not noticeable it's not an instant boost yeah i don't know I, I don't really notice it it's subtle to me as far as the experience kind of like the push is. to uh, or the boost in the uh, go karts that we did <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe a little bit like that. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering how complicated it would be because that that would I would want to get it but then at the same time well, I have played the L- F1 the
3: poor, games. LGs. I have you the, the F1
1: Porsche I have the Porsche LMP1 in iRacing and uh, I I used it, tried to use it once as a teammate in a Le Mans six hour or so race and i took the whole team out because of floor damage just going over curbs one time uh, and then at the same time i didn't understand how to properly use the push the power well you could put it on automatic yeah but st- uh, i it, which i mean you're not gonna it just didn't work out it. it just it didn't work out with me it wasn't i wasn't meant for it it wasn't meant for me something like that uh so then if it's gonna be the same thing with the mercedes f1 car that, when it comes out uh that makes me question do i even want to bother with it
3: Oh, it's, it's really not that bad, man. Like once once you get a hang of it, like I said, I know you, I don't I reach, iRacing should be paying Tyler because he kind of revolts anytime you mention any other game that's not iRacing. They
1: should, yeah, they're not paying me, by the way.
3: I'm they not getting be. anything from them. Um, F1, like I said, pick it up, pick like up an alter copy of it and just play it. But is it arcadey? See. Isn't it like an arcade? It's, I don't know, every, they're all, none of them are actually real. It'd be like, it's, uh, excuse me. Is, uh, just look at this me. way. It's, it'd be like buying line of the night. It'd be like buying uh, a treadmill that's really good and just buying like a regular treadmill. Like <laughs> F1's just the regular old treadmill. It's What's like, a
1: really good treadmill, like Rob? So I don't know. So like like, like
3: Peloton levels or something. Okay. I don't know. So if I have a real, so you're, what you're saying
1: to me is, and, and you expect me to listen to you, is if say I have this really, really nice thing. I should go and get this thing that's not even close to how nice the nice thing.
3: If you want to just get a rudimentary experience for a very minimal cost. And because all the things that you're going to do in it are going to be completely transferable of just because it's just something you have to get into your brain of knowing where to use it, when not to, how much you have to deploy each lap. And that's it. So you
1: just get that from a YouTube video. Why do you have to go buy the game?
3: Because it's a, it's there's muscle memory to it of just having buttons assigned. Because you can still go in, you'll be able to assign the same buttons on your wheel to like I can assign the same buttons that I use in F one to i racing when it comes out to deploy my ERS and my DRS. So it's just things like that, and like you have to do those things while you're thinking about racing at the same time. It's like it all happens at once, right? So there is something that you have to get used to with it.
1: So you're saying if I get an F1 game, quote-unquote, uh, it will prepare me or warm me up or practice Or me just for... Or, well,
3: I guess you could just go get the uh, LMP1. It would give you most of that. And you would also be an iRacing. Yeah, just, just drive the P1, you, you I mean guess. the
1: car I just told you that's not worth driving for me, so I don't... Yeah. I don't hey, mean, I enjoy it. I wish it. I hadn't After, had after it. being at Petit Le Mans, I took it out on the track in a test at Road Atlanta to try to get... Because I tested... We commented at, at Road Atlanta how deeply they break down the straight hill. Um, and then, what is it, the 100 marker or something like yeah, that? Yeah. 100, I tried like that.
3: 75 when they're doing overtime. <laughs> yeah, no. I know.
1: And I tried to to, to uh, replicate that in the GTE, the GT3, and the P2, and I couldn't get it on, on any of them. I locked up and just ran out. I, I loaded in the LMP1, and I could get it. I could break that deep and get it to stop, and it was exhilarating in VR. At how many night. how many laps been exhilarating? I did like 10 laps. 10 laps? Yeah, it was fun. It was, fun. You it was a lot of fun. Are you going to set me up in that? I would. Yeah. I'll, I'll give that a it try. Was almost, I, just, I have never done the P1 and VR. It was nice. Other than the whining sound of the hybrid system, it, it, you could get the deep grumble of what sounded like the DPI. So I was basically simulating in the simulator that I was in a DPI, which of course we're not going to get DPIs. No, I'm sure it's not. It's too late. Yeah. That.
3: So, like in the P1, you get all the same things. The only difference is really going to be is that you're, I guess, not being able to practice deploying your DRS on time.
1: So, how, I mean, it's just how many things do you have to worry about at one time? ERS and DRS. That's
3: driving. it. That's it. Two things and you pretty much in most cases you're always using your your battery your ERS out of the corner to get up to speed and your DRS is just obviously DRS you know what so that is to get up is, to
1: speed uh, out of the corner you have to do you have to press a button after
3: Yeah, every you quarter? press a button you, yeah more or less you press a after button after every corner. Yeah. That it's, sounds That sounds like too many things. Or sounds, to over, when you when you, you said the, over, when you said you have to do two things,
1: things I was thinking that's too too many things. Yeah. yeah.
3: You're losing once you do it. You're it's not bad at all, and you actually like it, and you're way faster because you can go on F1 and tell it to just automate all those things for you. But you'll notice that you're way slower than everyone else, right? So, because I'm not
1: pressing button, I mean, that that is like
3: a, a game. Not, next, but that's really what they quickly. do in real life. It's it's literally what F one cars. I don't do. want to do have that. an overtake button. I don't want to do that when I'm oh, trying you're to just just, enjoy my drive. Oh, don't be like that. <laughs> he he just wants to point and shoot. Yeah, wants point yeah. and shoot. Don't make me aim. I you're just so pump- basic. <laughs> Go fucking have your pumpkin spice. Get out of here. <laughs> pumpkin spice. <laughs> yeah, you're so basic, and your coffee likes and your racing. No, I just
1: want to. I just want to drive the car. I'm pure. I'm pure. I just want to drive. just <laughs> a natural driving. Pure. Natural. Don't add all these frills yeah, to the experience. No, no buttons. Bradley, do you want to learn to do that? I mean, I'm going to buy gonna, the car. No yeah, he's going to buy it. So there you go. <laughs> he's not, he's not going to buy the car. I mean, if I had a, a
3: proper formula wheel. With a, plenty of buttons to Wait, map. Man, do they have any of this already in the current MP40 or whatever it is? Oh, I, I never bought it.
1: Who knows? I never bought it. I never so bought it. don't could just they be they sitting do.
3: here sounding like jackasses. They could have all these systems already in the game and us not even. <laughs> well, to I've know. driven it's that car man, and I don't get talking the like these new things people have to do. Yeah, it's know. like, no, holy fuck. You, so, you, so so you, you, we're
1: we're on, on top of the game here, guys. Yeah, there
3: holy shit.
1: Yeah, he's, say, <laughs> he's over here saying, I'll buy it as soon as it comes out. I'll buy it because it's the new thing. Who is leading F1 points right now? Lewis Hamilton. Oh, incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> He's one of the most races, hasn't he? I don't know, but it's probably it seems great. like it anyway. I don't know. He's not leading the points. I so don't follow. So the this points? is Johnny come lately who who doesn't know any doesn't know much about F1. That's not a news flash. It's not a news flash, but still. I'll we, buy, it, I'll buy it as soon as it comes out. When did we give up on our segment on uh, you're gonna set up a tent at the iRacing shop? Yeah, when did we give up on our segment for the F1 fantasy? Things happen. <laughs> <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> that's what uh no i mean i'm gonna get the car and i'm gonna get the next next year's whenever it comes out next year's f1 yeah would you when is it gonna come out is it coming out week 13 in december we're speculating that i mean it would make more sense and make the most sense it'd be a good christmas gift it would and i i could see that happening i mean what is our gift gonna be rob what do you think they're gonna get us
3: uh it's either gonna be that or it's gonna be rain
1: no, no, yeah. it's not going to be rain.
3: Why not? not I, it, it
1: just doesn't feel time. No, the, first, feel time.
3: It's, this the first update of the new year is always there's four seasons every year. And this is falling a little short of technically the new year, but like the next one, like this is the big one.
1: You think they're going to beat? That's right. Test? You know what? You know, because when they set the endurance schedule, if it's not already out, when they set those endurance schedules, they don't add it in. They could the They can change the rules. You know what I'm saying?
3: They, yeah, they can do whatever they want, but still, yeah, yeah but they it's, I, sometimes this they is don't the say. big one.
1: Yeah,
3: I think we're going to get up. both.
1: But it's usually, they te- usually they do a lot of cryptic teasing on social media. Yeah, but we already they know it's them. coming,
3: so why do they need? Yeah, that? exactly. But they like to do. I that. think
1: we're going to get both. I think we're going to get a screenshot in December. The F1 of an the F1, F1 car, car in with, the rain. with rain tires. I think yes,
3: rain tires. Maybe we'll get intermediates and wets. Yes.
1: And we're going to get to uh, replicate that uh, Russian race. Oh, Lando. Yeah. Don't, don't change the tires. <laughs> Leave me alone. Guys, I, know it's I'm I know what I'm doing or don't talk to me or whatever it was. Ugh. I can't do this. Poor, poor Lando. Yeah. He's so close. Imagine the strategy game that's going to add to everything, though. I mean, we've talked oh, yeah. about the rain tires. Well, but different I mean, tire compounds. It just, helped. yeah, it's it's thoroughly exciting to think about. I'm just wanting to speculate. As I mean, it's coming up on Black Friday here. I, I don't know if is that a, is Black Friday a Canada thing too, Rob, or is it just a American? You know, we country? have Black Friday
3: first. At first, you guys used to do Black Friday, and we didn't have it the first few years, and then we had like something on the, that following Monday called Cyber Monday, and oh, now yeah. everyone, we have that everyone too. yeah, but now everyone just has everything. So and it's not even just that. Cyber you know, kill it's, like, so it's,
1: it's it's black <laughs> month it is the sales start two weeks ahead and they last till christmas yeah exactly so, so i mean what's it's not a big deal so right? i'm just so my what i'm getting into is what are we gonna i mean it's getting to be time any any old uh, week now we should get hints or news or teases like or nothing that. at all or nothing but we, we gotta get something i mean we we've well, invested again, so said- we've all invested so much I want, I want the, like I said, I want the Honda TCR. We need more TC cars. Yes, I would like more TC. The and Audi and is, I want we need more the than Aston just the Audi. We've said it for how many, yeah, how many the, months? The Mar- Aston Martin gt 3 or gt GT3 or four? I don't care which.
3: Yes, both of those. Aston, nice. Aston Martin's up in this MA.
1: LMP3 <laughs> because we don't have GT Ma. Although I'm okay with having more GTDs to choose from. Yeah, more. I variety do like that. I do like nice. that because that seems to be realistic. Uh, it's prototype cars or GTDs. That's what it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a, well, MP3,
3: too. That's what I want.
1: P3 would be cool. Uh, well, they
3: got to if They're going to get rid of GTL, GTLM. Like, give us something gone. to fill the gap. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not in the sim, though. The sim, it's not dead. Well, it will, yeah, it will be, though. It's At European, the end of, the year. Couple of years. Is the European Sprint Series dropping it?
1: Well, I guess not, because they have a few more years or a couple more years in ELN so there. and all that. But who, who's going to seriously, they're not going to scan or support these things anymore.
3: No, they're not going to get new. Ones. No, it's but that's that's common. why I'm saying, like, if it's gone, then they need to give us that. that that's a gap get, filler.
1: Do we get a downgraded Corvette? There was talk of that. Uh, some some people have been practicing with the Corvette with BOP changes uh, for Daytona 24-2022. I think that's... A, that's well, a the big, schedule's already Yeah, come yeah that's a big they're gamble. yeah. I, they, I they think know, that's, no, that's not They're happen.
2: planning
3: to have a GT3 from that made from that car by 2023 or 2024 anyway. So, like, we'll eventually get it. It's just a matter of oh, yeah. time till I mean, there's. Look a, how a, early
1: we, look how early iRacing gave us the new BMW. A year. I mean, we're yeah. seeing we're finally just now seeing videos of the thing. Rob, the three of us saw it up close at Petit Le Mans. Just to remind, give you a flashback, Rob. I mean, yeah. We're just now seeing a lot of media of it, but we were driving this thing in the sim a year ago or you know, a little little over a year ago or less than a year yeah. ago. Yeah. So they're not afraid to give us stuff. So maybe the Corvette. they see mm-hmm. uh i racing are the parents that aren't afraid to let the kids open the presents early at Christmas. Well eat the next gen car. Yeah. I mean, we get to see these things. Right. The Chicago Street Course. Yeah, and some well, we don't know how that's gonna go. Yeah, but, but still, it's but the next gen car. I mean, here. things like that. That's so will we get the Corvette? Like we when it comes to the to that platform, you can't think of things. You can think ahead.
3: Yeah. They can release any car like that yeah. and just say prototype.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They could release a hypercar that we don't even know what it looks like yet in real life. And somehow they know uh, or, or whatever. The Delara iRacing hypercar. <laughs> That's what we need. I mean, they can do it. I mean, they've obviously proven they can and will do whatever. And uh, it could be something that exists, doesn't exist, or has yet to really exist or be seen in any type of media. Uh, so that makes uh, makes Christmas an interesting time, does it not? Just go ahead and take the money. Yeah, I mean, the money is theirs. Just we up. just happen to all be many different bank accounts that they store their money in, but it's theirs. We just hold on to it for them. That's how it works.
3: I better buy those cup cars, last two cup cars before they go legacy here.
1: You don't grace ovals, Rob.
3: Exactly, but I'm going to buy you those don't. cup cars so I get my money back.
1: You don't raise over. Well, you know how you get your money back is you don't spend it, and then it's yeah then you, you don't you have it, don't
0: it back.
3: Either. You don't you don't. But then it. I'm also closer to being in the hundred percent club. Oh boy! Oh jeez!
1: Oh boy! Okay, Bruce, Bruce, our endurance director, hundred percenter. Bruce will be on here next week. Doug is you a can will be hundred percenter. Yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a pretty packed ultimate next
3: sim racing week. flex. <laughs> <laughs> you're oh. going to
1: get a big ring. They'll mail you a plaque in the mail. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Has
3: a picture of uh
1: the iRacing guy on it <laughs> the iRacing guy yeah. the the guy holding like the oh the the logo yeah, the like logo, uh, the, 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 the red white the and up. blue yeah and, and so. yeah and i am done with i have that right picture so but they're they gonna photoshop rob's face into it <laughs> the racing guy that's what we're gonna do <laughs> we're, know, gonna gonna, we're gonna about. we'll make a plaque like that for rob when he gets yeah? into the 100 percenter club uh, uh, a plaque for rob just stranded at the atlanta hartsfield yeah uh, you know i found uh, in my car rob this is an aside uh, today in my trunk i was going through and i found a pack of masks and it said had the uh, air canada logo on it
3: <laughs> you also and have every time board. i i took so many planes every time i got on one every time i got off when people just hand me the, these little like cleaning kits and they all had a mask in them and they were just like yeah. flowing out everywhere so they probably you just got, like fell out of my bag
1: you also left long john bottoms in his
3: or whatever Yeah, that's yeah yeah, whatever stuff was falling There's a lot They'll of stuff tossed in there, man. People were throwing there's things still around, looking for things. There. So there's still you know there's
1: there's a poster in there. There's all kinds of stuff. It was there. wild. We're, we're, I don't want to trigger you, so we'll, we won't talk about that too much. Yeah, I'm not going to say the AC word. AC. <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean to. Um, yeah. Next week's episode is going to be pretty, uh, pretty busy because we'll have a, quite a few of uh, the familiar names and voices that you hear on the show. Uh, we'll be compiling uh, a big list a master list of some top things that we all look for you know sim- a sim racer's christmas list essentially and we're talking everything from accessories to hardware to uh, you name it uh, i'll also share with everybody my hans device uh, you can buy my hans device at your local uh, discount store tj max uh, so we'll share that with you next week uh, different things we do maybe you'll you'll catch on to something uh, so we'll have fun with that for the next episode. Uh, but yeah, great time with Kevin Bohm. We thank him for coming on of CrowdStrike Racing in TC America. Uh, for Jerry, Rob, Bradley, myself. We'll see you next weekend on Into the Apex.
0: You've been listening to Into the Apex. Apex, presented by Mad Sim Racing. Follow and join the team at MadsimRacing.com.